This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is Speaking of Sports Writers. I'm Steve Richards. Legendary award-winning sports writer Lee Monville, former Boston Globe columnist, Sports Illustrated senior writer, and New York Times bestselling author of biographies, covering the lives of athletes like Ted Williams, Babe Ruth, Muhammad Ali, and Dale Earnhardt, has entertained sports fans and readers for five decades with his wry voice and razor-sharp insights. But even after his six critically acclaimed best-selling biographies, Sports Illustrated cover stories, and decades of Globe columns, Monville has never written an autobiographical word. That changes with the new book, Tall Men, Short Shorts, the 1969 NBA Finals, Wilt, Russ, Lakers, Celtics, and a very young sports reporter. Three-time New York Times bestselling award-winning author, Lee Montville is a former columnist at the Boston Globe and former senior writer at Sports Illustrated. He's the author of Sting Like a Bee, Evil, The Mysterious Montague, The Big Bam, Ted Williams, At the Altar of Speed, Manute, and Why Not Us. Makes his home in Boston. Happy to have Lee Montville join me now here on Speaking of Writers. Lee, welcome to this program. Hi, Steve. Geez, you get you get old, and your your introductions get really long. You know, <laughs> they do. They do. Better to be some kind of you know young young off the boat kind of guy, and, and just have one book and and be, get it over with. <laughs> so, why have you never written an autobiographical word, Lee, until now and this book? I don't know. I I, I think um, I think it's a tough. It's a tough sell for an, an autobiography, uh, a memoir kind of thing, unless you're either a movie star or a serial killer, you know? <laughs> um, I, I, I've, I've kind of thought about it and thought about it. And then this, this vehicle here just seemed interesting to me. That these are stories that I've, I've told for years uh, about being 25 years old and, and thrust into the middle of this Lakers-Celtics uh, NBA Finals. And... Uh, it just it just kind of comes together to me, and, and they bought the concept, and I started typing. All right, there's a lot to unpack here in this year, 1969. So where are the Celtics at this time, Lee, and where are the Lakers? The Celtics, despite having won 10 world championships and, and being the defending championships, the defending champions are seen as a team, you know, on, on the decline. Bill Russell is 35, Sam Jones is 35, and a lot of the pieces of their greatness have disappeared and retired. Um, and the Lakers are the ascendant team. They 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 played. They had Jerry West and Elgin Baylor, and they played the Celtics five times in NBA Finals and lost all five. And the big problem they had was was Bill Russell through the years and. Jack Kent Cook, the millionaire owner of, of the Lakers, solved that problem by by getting Wilt Chamberlain to come to Los Angeles. Uh, there wasn't a lot of movement in professional basketball then, no free agency really, but Wilt was kind of uh, an island onto himself, you know, and if Wilt wanted to go to California and live in the Holiday Hill, Hollywood Hills, then Wilt went to California and lived in the Hollywood Hills. So 
they were a team that they were favored two to one in the series, and they had been favored since the July before the season even started because this was a different kind of team put together, sort of like the teams of today, where you know star players move to a team. LeBron James goes to a team and and kind of sets up a championship situation, and that's what they did with Wilt. Chatting with Lee Monfil, his new book is Tall Men, Short Shorts, the 1969 NBA Finals, Wilt, Russ, Lakers, Celtics, and a very young sports reporter. You mentioned you were 25. What was it like covering this series, covering this team? Well, well, the, the book is kind of like that. It's, 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 it's my 77-year-old self looking at my 25-year-old self and kind of cringing a little at some of the things that, that the 25-year-old self does. You, you know, you're 25 and you have a, a mixture of overconfidence and, you know, deep-seated fear at the same time. And uh, it's kind of interesting to look at this character through these uh, eyes from, from so far away, you know? Bill Russell. Black man in the 60s in Boston, what was that like for him? Yeah, he had a tough time. Uh, he, he, um, he had some situations develop, and, and he was the kind of guy who, who, who operated with a chip on his shoulder anyway, um, and, and, and this only, only increased the thing. You know, he, he, he had always been a guy that had to work for whatever happened for him. He wasn't like Wilt. He wasn't a big star when he was in high school, and he wasn't seen as a star going to college. And there were question marks about him when he came to the pros. So he was always proving himself. And uh, when he came to Boston, there were a couple of racial situations and things, words that he heard, and... Uh, he just reacted really, really negatively to him. Um, Red Arback would always try to try to say that there's the bad apple philosophy, that there's you know a bad apple here or there, and that 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 you can't judge everybody by the bad apple. But uh, Russell saw too many bad apples, and and he always said, "I play for the Celtics. I don't play for the city of Boston." John Havlicek, what was he like? He was a great guy, um, very interesting guy. You know, he he like knew your name from the beginning, and he asked you questions after you asked him questions. Um, Bill kind of, Bill was kind of imperious. You know, uh, I had to deal with him every day since he was the coach as well as the star player. And he, he you know, I was twenty five and he was thirty five and. I was just starting out, and he was rich and famous, and uh, you could see the gulf between us, you know. And some days he would barely talk to me, and other days, every once in a while, we'd have a good conversation, and I would say, I've got him. He's on my side. And then the next day I'd say, hello, Bill, and he'd walk right by me. So it was it was an interesting situation. But Havlicek was always very accommodating. Who else on the Celtics that did you like to cover? Oh, that man! Everybody, everybody was a good guy. Don Nelson was a good guy. Mm. Emmett Bryant, who who was a, a point guard who came from nowhere. Larry Siegfried was uh, had gone to Ohio State with with uh, with John Havlicek, and he was kind of a, a wound up, uh, excitable guy. 
they, they were all nice. Red Arbach was was a good guy as the general manager. He he was a very um, level-headed kind of funny guy to deal with. He was good. We're chatting with Lee Monfil here on Speaking of Sports Writers. Tall Men, Short Shorts, the 1969 NBA Finals, Wilt, Russ, Lakers, Celtics, and a very young sports reporter. This Lakers team was really the first iteration of the dream team with Wilt. Also Jerry West, the great Elgin Baylor, too. What were those guys like? Yeah, um, Jerry West, he, he was sort of like the the Greek tragic hero, you know, um, the, the announcer, Chick Hearn, called him Mr. Clutch, and he was Mr. Clutch until he got to those five series with the Celtics and uh, wound up losing every time. So he was kind of a tragic figure, and and he talked like a tragic figure. You know, when, when, when he lost, he, he just let everything out. And, and when he won, he was kind of cautious about about celebrating. So he seemed to carry the whole weight of of the series on his shoulders, and he was a wonderful player. Um, the first game of the series, he scored fifty three points, and and you know he he was as close to basketball perfection as you could have had in those days. Elgin Baylor was kind of was kind of beat up a bit. He he'd had knee problems, and and he wasn't the the transcendent guy that that he was when he had first come onto the scene able to just jump over everybody. He was still a good player, but he, he wasn't that far better than everybody else anymore. Lee, is there one thing that stands out to you as you look back across all the years at this uh, 1969 NBA Finals? Well, you know, the, the importance... The importance of the written word was a big thing. You know, I I, I think a, a part of this memoirish thing is is talking about sports writing, and the whole game then was to to kind of kind of try and make it read like a nonfiction novel in a way. Every game and every story to try and have details and 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 really work the writing in, which is something that I think has disappeared in the in the Twitter age here, um, where it's all instant information, and uh, it, I, I'm kind of sad to see that happen. Um, it, 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 it was a it was a great time to be a sports writer because television wasn't that big a thing. Um, only two of the seven games were on television in Boston, and only three of the seven in Los Angeles. They had they had these blackout rules and 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 that to protect the home gate, and so radio was very big. Johnny Most, the broadcaster in Boston, Chick Hearn, the broadcaster in Los Angeles, were huge figures because you you had to listen to either of them to to to, to learn about the game. Or you had to read the 25-year-old guy in the Boston Globe. <laughs> His name is Lee Montville. The NBA at this time, Lee, is still considered a small league, right? Oh, yeah, very much so. The, the NBA had six employees at, at that time. The Celtics had four employees. They had Red Arbach, the general manager, his secretary, Mary Whalen, and they had a, a, a publicity man, Howie McHugh, and a 25-year-old guy that Red said, yeah, you can be the assistant general manager, but you still have to go out and get coffee and stuff when we need it, you know? Um, so that that was the whole, the, the whole front office. If you wanted to buy a Celtics season ticket, you went to the office and Red himself would take you up to the stands and show you, you know, which the different seats were, were available. 
I want to fast forward to uh, today's game for a moment here. And uh, the NBA Finals just completed. Milwaukee Bucks winning the championship first time in, what, 50 years. Giannis, what is his impact on the game? What a great story. Oh, yeah. And, and, and it's funny that the, 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 the narrative has been in the NBA in the past few years that the big man doesn't count anymore, you know? Yeah. That, that it's all about mobility and running and everything. Well, the big man counted this time. You know, he, he just bowled people over. He, he, they couldn't stop him. He was the difference in, in that whole series. Mm. Lee Monville, the book out now is Tall Men, Short Shorts, the 1969 NBA Finals, Wilt, Russ, Lakers, Celtics, and a very young sports reporter. Lee, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Steve. And this is Speaking of Writers.